When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to, surprise, surprise, a video edition of the Big Orange Podcast, the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. Had this in the works for a little bit, uh, but uh, hopefully going forward, we're going to be putting the episodes of the show up on YouTube, so another place to catch the show. Uh, for your listening and now viewing enjoyment. I am Charlie Burris here with my co-host and Tennessee sports writer for A to Z, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds like something you want to listen to regularly, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast network feed, Apple, Spotify, and make sure you subscribe. Because if you subscribe, you won't miss a single episode when we drop them on Mondays. At Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter. At Zach TNT for Zach. At A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. And Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. And A to Z Sports.com. Where everything that Zach and I write. With that out of the way. And our faces in beautiful 1080p HD, Zach. The folks can see me in my forever brutal, excruciating existence as a fan of sports in the state of Tennessee. The Titans, my boys, my beloved boys, over the weekend, a bit. It's bit the bullet is too kind. Just ruined my month. (laughs) Started my year off horrifically. Choked, choked in a way that I like Tennessee sports have have choked only a few times before. Tennessee sports have choked big time, big time chokes by Tennessee sports. And this is like right at the top. I'm ill still. It's been two full days. I'm disgusted. I still, I just want to take a shower when I think about it. Did you watch the game, Zach? No, yeah. And uh, that was, I I looked forward to to seeing your tweets throughout the game. I mean, that was, that was a fun part of it. I mean, full, full disclosure, I'm, I'm not a Titans fan, but obviously given, what we do, it's better for the Titans to go forward. And plus, I, you know, I like seeing, I just like seeing the hype around the team. Nashville's really fun whenever the Titans are in the playoffs, Preds, you know, everybody kind of rallies around it. So I would love to see how crazy the, the city would go if they made a Super Bowl run. Uh, but for it to end that way, I mean, it just brought up, it, it's kind of an ironic position the Titans are in now. Because I'm sure you're in the, Probably in the Tannehill's not the guy camp, I can assume. And that's just a it's a difficult question for the Titans to address because you can't just dump Tannehill. I mean it's like fifty eight million in dead cap if you cut him. It's your it's insane. Even if they trade him, there's some dead cap money, like nine million. So the irony here is like to get rid of him, they would have to pay somebody to take him, kind of like the Dolphins did several years ago. So Obviously, I'll start off by saying this. Obviously, to anybody who's a new listener, this is a Tennessee, a University of Tennessee sports show. We will get to that post haste very quickly. But I, I do feel like this is this is a sports story for the state of Tennessee. Like, yeah, this this was people. It's the NFL It's the biggest sport on earth. Maybe outside of soccer. So assuming most people do actually care about this. Yeah, I I am. I'm really in like a, we got to. 
you have such a short window with a team that is Super Bowl level. Mm-hmm. The Titans have one right now. The defense is unreal. Nine, nine sacks. Nine sacks. One of the greatest defensive performances in the history of playoff football. Unbelievable. Nine sacks on one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And we lose. I mean, this is a Super Bowl level roster. One of the currently the greatest running back in the game, in the game of football, a good running back backing him up in Dante Foreman, a generational wide receiver in AJ Brown, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time in Julio Jones, a pretty solid offensive line that was pushing around the Bengals in that game, and you can't score more than 16 points. What? I uh I just I can't. I can't I can't do it. And so with that said, yeah, I mean, I, I am, if there is a way to just eat Tannehill's contract on one end and get Russell Wilson and get Aaron Rodgers and get, I, I don't, I just, I don't think that you can risk it with a, with a draft pick. None of these guys, you know, it, nobody knew Mahomes was coming, but that's such a shooting star. Like everybody references back like, oh, well, Mahomes was in a quote. He was bad still draft a top class. Ten. He was still a top ten pick, though. I mean, yeah, like he was great in college. Like people act like nobody knew who Patrick Mahomes was. Hey, I mean, he was incredible with Cliff Kingsbury at Texas. Yeah, they just you know. they just wrote him off because the air raid offense. That was yeah, that was the yeah, they, yeah. They just said, oh, he's a guy who throws sixty times a game. Of course, he's gonna have big numbers. But you know, that's it's such a shooting star to have a guy like that, and so. I how did you how did you feel about this is uh you're talking about the defensive defensive line and the nine sacks. How did you feel about Quentin Spain's comments about Jeffrey Simmons? Did you see all of oh, that? That's some out of pocket nonsense. How 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 if, if anybody on the Bengals team uh, should not be allowed to say a word about that game, it's their offensive line that tried to get Joe Burrow killed. Unbelievable. I, out of out of anybody who could talk. You know, Joe Burrow and Chase, they made some plays right there. And Chase or Burrow battled through the nine sacks <laughs> and and found a way to score 19 points. Hey, credit credit to him. The, the Titans should have scored more than 19 points. That's absurd. That's completely absurd. The offensive coordinator is a just oh. what oh, I mean, don't get me started there. If that guy doesn't get fired, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm close to uh, like what what else are are you going to do unless, you know, the next move past firing Downing, if he doesn't fire Downing, the next move is file, fire Rabel because what are you doing? Yeah. You know, if you're going to keep that loser, anyway, that's another conversation. With that, with all that, but <laughs> with with that hanging over you on Sunday, what was your mood like watching the the Chiefs and the Bills last night? What may be the greatest playoff game we've ever seen? Um, Obviously enjoyable on a purely, you know, appreciation for sports level. Hey, how do you not appreciate that yeah. electric performance by two of the best quarterbacks in the league? I do watch it and I go like either of these teams would have destroyed us next week. <laughs> and I think unreal. they're going to destroy the Bengals. The Bengals, the yeah. Bengals, I, I mean, I, I think even Bengals fans would admit this. The Titans outplayed them in that game, destroyed them in, in mm-hmm. both trenches. And, and, you know, if the Titans had a half decent offensive coordinator, they win that game. The Bengals aren't supposed to be here right now. They've just kind of, yeah. they're the one of those teams that they got hot at the end of the season, the right time. And Tannehill kind of handed them the game. I mean, the Bengals, to me, if, if they've reached the Super Bowl, it'll be because somebody's got injured uh, for Kansas yeah. City. Key. You exactly. know, Mahomes just went down or something. That's the only way. Yeah. Not knock Mahomes out on like the first play of the game and you're probably going to the Super Bowl. But, but otherwise, the, yeah. just incredible what Kansas City did in, in that game. I, I hate the NFL two rules, but there's there's a lot to unpack there, and we're not going to go yeah, into that. Yeah. But just it was incredibly fun. fun but it does fun just make me football. sick. It it makes me sick because, dude, having I think we would lose to that Chiefs team, but dude, having them come to Nissan Stadium with all of that hype and everything that's happened, and Derrick Henry in his second game, you know, he he would have gotten through sort of the warm up game and and would have been chugging and. Uh, it gives me chills to think about, it, and then now it makes me sick mm, to think. Don't about. don't do that to yourself. It makes me sick to think about, it, frankly. So, there, everyone who's not a, a Titans fan uh, can revel in my pain and misery. And if you are a Titans fan, 
I feel you. I'm right. I'm here for you. Uh, we will get through this together. Hopefully, Grable does fire Todd Downing, and and we can go from there. And hopefully, hey, Aaron Rodgers. Um, Nashville's pretty nice. I don't know. You could come and I don't know. What does Aaron Rodgers like to do? I feel like he's like really new agey. He's like a he would come and like need a yoga studio close by or something. Yeah, every every time they come <laughs> in the offseason, he's he's hiking somewhere random. Yeah. With, with, with his the headband on and his hair kind of pulled back. He's very maybe very get him a, here here's what we do. We get him a cabin, a cabin in, in Gallenberg, and we can get him set up with outdoorsy activities in East Tennessee. That can be his outpost, and then he can come be the you know he'll live in in Nashville during the during the season. I don't know. I don't know. Jordan Rogers spends too much time in Nashville and the Tennessee area, and we know Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be anywhere near his family, yeah. so that might drive him away. <laughs> I was gonna say his family being here is actually a problem because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he hates his brother apparently, uh, like we do. We hate him too. So yeah, we yeah. hey maybe we can bond over that. Everybody in this state hates. Hate your brother also. <laughs> can oh, you imagine? Kids, I mean, I guess. <laughs> before we move on, can you though imagine if if the Titan it's it's kind of like when the Tom Brady rumors were flying around before he went to Tampa Bay. Can you imagine if they got Rogers the media attention that would finally oh, be on Nashville Titans football? Well, that's that's why I was a huge get Brady guy when when Brady was out there leaving leaving New England. We beat Brady. And then you have one of Brady's old friends as our head coach in Mike Vrabel. They played together at the at the Patriots. And and then it's rumored that like we're on the short list for Brady. And you go, we could we could have the guy. And then another tough thing to swallow is we'd have a Super Bowl right Oh, now. yeah. He without a doubt. Yeah. He, he, he would have effectively been our offensive coordinator and and we'd have a Super Bowl. And that just makes me all the more sick. So it's fun stuff. That's great. Hey, one one more thing. Would you rather have Mike Vrabel or Arthur Smith as the Titans head coach? Mike Vrabel. I do. The toughest part of all that is that I I really like Mike Vrabel. Like his, the, the general culture that he has, his players mm -hmm. love him. The players love him. He like literally gets down and does tackle drills with these dudes in yeah. practice. It's crazy. There's and, only so much you can do without an elite quarterback. I mean, they're really yeah. As a coach, you can't you can't coach past that i mean we saw he, that game last night the back and forth between allen and mahomes i mean that's the type of play you gotta have yeah it, exactly i mean you have to be elite at the quarterback position we are not we could have been at hindsight 2020 um but i i would really like to have rabel work out because i think he's awesome at at a baseline but i think he's overly arrogant for the fact that he really hasn't done that much oh you coached an afc championship game congratulations show has zach taylor now you know that's not really that huge of an accomplishment even though it is fun as someone who's a fan of the franchise um and and i yeah i would i would love to see him succeed but if he can't fire this offensive coordinator at, after this year go watch i would say go watch the a to z morning show from this morning monday morning uh austin stanley uh, creator and owner of A to Z, along with Zach Bingham, ripped Todd Downing a new one and showed and showed the film. Said, mm -hmm. "Hey, here's why Todd Downing sucks." This morning, it was actually a great show. I actually texted Austin and I was like, "Dude, thank you," because <laughs> <laughs> that, ugh, I I can't I can't stand it. Get a new offensive coordinator. All right, we've gone too long already with the Titans stuff. There's. For everybody who loves to hear me rant about that there, we got that out of the way. Um, for the folks that hopefully haven't turned it off, if you didn't want to hear that, now let's get into, Zach, uh, sort of adding on to what we have covered in the last few episodes um, with NIL rules, Tennessee's NCAA investigation, we've talked about some. There was a really interesting development with that situation potential development because this is really an unconfirmed report uh but we wrote about it at a to z sports.com um so we've we've been kind of wondering I isaiah nayer the wide receiver from wyoming was really the only big time transfer that tennessee had gotten and then he flipped to texas and it was kind of people were like okay that's not good um and you can you can kind of say the kid was from Texas. He went on a visit to Texas. Probably, probably got a a nice check put in his hand. You know, and 
I don't necessarily blame him, but you look at the situation with Heupel and you go, hey, what? we need some boys right now. Where are the transfers? What's what's going on? Thank you for that great first season. That was a lot of fun. We need to be building this roster, <laughs> you know? And, and Nair was a part of that, and then he bounces out. So you're looking around going, where are the transfers? Hello, somebody. And then this report comes out from uh, local Knoxville radio host, uh, Tony Basilio, who's who's great if you don't listen to Tony. Um, he's really a, a voice, voice for the people. Uh, I really enjoy his show. He comes out with a report saying, essentially, that Tennessee is tying its own hands as far as the transfer portal goes and as far as scholarships to players go. Um Basilio said, uh, let, let me get it open. I didn't have it right in front. Do you have it right in front of you, Zach? Uh, not, no, I don't let have me, that part open. I can grab it right here. Um, and, I, and I'll just read you directly what he said in his blog post. And go read the blog post on his, on his website. Uh, he said, quote, Tennessee is self-manning scholarship reductions. How they've gotten there is by aging out those that have left and encouraging others to hit the portal. I hear, this is Tony Basilio speaking, I hear Tennessee has hovered around a number in the low 70s dating back to the beginning of each semester. The first day of classes, Tennessee must be at their desired scholarship number, and I hear the number is somewhere between 72 and 74, which will leave Tennessee locked out of the transfer market as they're already at that number as you read this. The only way Tennessee could add a player like Traylon Smith is to either cut an existing player from the roster and thus send someone into the portal or encourage an early enrollee freshman to not enroll until May. Obviously, again, un unconfirmed report, but Basilio has been pretty reliable in the past. Take it to what it is. It is a report from a local radio talk show host, one that I would say I put some amount of trust in. Um, if this is true, what is your take on this, Zach? Your thoughts? I mean, it makes sense because they've they've been really secretive about what they're doing with these reductions. Like, we know they're doing something. There's been various kind of off-the-record remarks about they are going to reduce scholarships, but they refuse to say a number, when, how. And this kind of falls in line with the rumblings of they want to get this done in like one year and have it behind them. So that, that part of it makes sense. If that's the case, then it's, it really, I don't quite understand how it works if they're able to kind of add some transfers after this spring semester, if that's kind of like a technicality there. If they're not able to, and this is how they roll into the season, you got to wonder how it affects your outlook of the 2020 season because depth is still going to be an issue. They've added four players from the portal so far, including a linebacker today from Nebraska, Jackson Hanna, who is a Nashville native, three-star guy. Apparently, he's going to be a preferred walk-on. So that doesn't count towards your scholarship numbers. And then you're wondering, hey, is is this the thing where he's a preferred walk-on and he's going to go on scholarship later? Or are they trying to manipulate the numbers that way? Um, and then they uh, – Chris Opera-Adrone Opera – can never say that guy's name. <laughs> yeah. He uh he hit the transfer portal today, which wasn't, you know, he had he never really panned out. I think he's graduating soon anyway. So maybe that opens up another spot. But that's my biggest thing is if these reductions, these severe reductions are are gonna be in play in year two, I don't feel like we can expect much more than than a eight and four season at best. Um because you're going to run into the exact same issues against the Georgias and the Alabamas and, and even some LSU who, who is still a talented team, even though they, they've they had two kind of tough years. Uh, those teams are deeper. You're going to run into those same issues, and there's nothing Josh Heupel can do about that. I mean, you can't you can, you're, you can only steam up so much, but when it comes to tired defenses in the fourth quarter and your opposition's just rotating dudes in, I mean, how, how do you – how do you prepare for that? How do you, you know, uh, it, it's it's a tough spot. I think if you, yeah, if you can't get more guys in, you're really floating between 10, 10 wins as your absolute best case scenario. That means you won every single game that is feasibly a win. 
it's, everything it's but Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, you you beat everybody but Alabama and Georgia. That would include a win over Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, which is certainly not going to be easy. Although they do not have Kenny Pickett anymore, obviously they do have the guy from US USC though. Slovis. Yeah, Slovis. Slovis. Keaton who, Slovis, who is already on my Heisman list just because they play Tennessee this year. Yeah, <laughs> you know that that's going to take him to the next level. <laughs> um. But yeah, that that would be a win there, a win against Florida at home, which to me, I think if you win eight win, if if you win eight games next year, that's the one you pick up. To me, you win essentially everything you won this year, and throw in Florida too. Um, Kentucky is really feeling themselves, but of course that's true. Like every year, of course they are. Yeah, the best Kentucky teams of all time still lost to Jeremy Pruitt. So and and that game. Tennessee beat Kentucky at Kentucky this year. So that game's going to be in Neyland Stadium. So, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of have an advantage in that one too. Um, but I think you were you were talking, you're not really going to get any closer to getting at Georgia. You're not going to get any closer to getting at Alabama unless you can get some of these guys in. I think even if you get these guys in, I'm not sure in a year you're going to get that close to Alabama or Georgia. But who knows? You know, weird things happen in, in college football. But uh it just, I mean, you, you got to get these guys in and, and it, the more self-punishment that Tennessee does, I, I, I would put it this way. If, if this is true, get it over with, and this is it. Stop, stop with this self-flagellation. We're done. Okay. That's enough bowing down to the NCAA. You're spending $2 million to go and bow down to them and kiss their feet and give them all these gifts. And here we've done We've done everything that you've asked of us, sweet overlord NCAA. Enough! If this is the case, and and that's what is tying Heifel's hands, if they don't like it at this point, with this amount of bowing down, screw them. I I hate it as is, but if it does let you avoid punishment, okay, okay, fine. You know, you you saved. Hopefully, if you don't go past like two million bucks, you save ten million dollars in buyout money. And you avoid punishment, even though you you are punishing the current coach. Uh, it it's certainly not the perfect situation, but I'm not sure there is a perfect situation. Uh, but if if this is all true, let this be it. Stop it. No more. We're not, and we're not doing a. Obviously, we already kind of got past that, but we're not doing a bull ban. Not doing any of that. Let the scholarship production be the thing. And you fired everybody, and then tell the NCAA to kiss off. That that has to, yeah. surely that has to be the strategy. You would think. I, I I don't really understand why they're not publicizing more what their plan is. I mean, yeah, fan I expectations agree. expectations from outside of Tennessee from the national side of things are already getting pretty high. I mean, we're only in January, and I've seen Tennessee rank like number fifteen in like some of these preseason polls from like CBS Sports. You know, polls that don't mean anything, but still. Those are kind of the general expectations. And we know how it goes with Tennessee. They know that Tennessee fans engage. And the more they hype Tennessee, you know, the more fan engagement they're going to get. Um, so I could see, you know, by the time the season starts, I think you're going to he- see Hendon Hooker in these like dark horse Heisman candidate articles. You're going to see Tennessee, you know, around 12 or 13. And then fans, uh, maybe some fans that aren't as dialed into the the scholarship situation they don't have these unreal expectations and then hypo comes in and say he goes eight and four and and they lose to Pitt and lsu and alabama and georgia you know they're they're not they're not gonna be happy about that they're gonna view that as as not really making any progress when really it's kind of be out of hypo's hands by then like like i said you can only steam so much um you know, Tennessee's close enough that, you know, if Alabama falters, you know, they played them into the fourth quarter this year, maybe they can pull a random upset, but they're not going to be like a consistent threat to win the SEC East really for, for several years until they build some some quality depth to go toe-to-toe with Georgia. The longer you do this is the longer it will be until you're an actual contender because here's – I think we learned everything that we need to learn about the current state of college football with Georgia winning the national title this year. Um, It's all about 
recruiting. Period. You you know you can have some idiots out there. Who was it? Canell. Who was like, what oh. a story with Stetson Bennett winning a national championship? Stars don't even matter, or whatever he said. That's stupid. No, Stetson Bennett got lucky because he's surrounded by all ten guys who are all a minimum of five star players. <laughs> like just absurd amounts of talent that he's got around in there. He's just lucky that. Kirby somehow does not have the ability to find a quarterback in all of that talent that he's collected. Uh, and when he does, they end up transferring to Ohio state, you know, and whatever. And he just ended up falling into that spot. Congratulations to him. That's ridiculous. You have to recruit at it. And and I said, I said it this week in some of these before this report actually came out, you know, we were kind of talking about it and I hadn't thought about this as a possibility that Tennessee might be sort of punishing itself. Um, and, and, you know, we, we were just saying, like, you have to be at this point with college football completely shameless with all of this. You can't be the nice guy. And I'm not saying that Hypel is or this is not a comment on that at all. Um, so far, his recruiting has been, I would say, right right at what I was hoping for, a top 15 class. I mean, that's that's Tennessee. That's the Tennessee brand working. Um. But you have to just be absolutely, you know, what is Kirby? Kirby's going out and like landing helicopters in kids' front yards and giving them the keys to a Aston Martin. I don't, you know, I don't know if he's done that, but he's, you know, it's just completely over the top and ridiculous. And he's putting it right out there, right in front of your face. And that's, that's what you have to be. And look at what it gets you. You can be a mediocre in-game coach, which Kirby certainly is. The guy lost to Butch Jones, a stink that never wears off. A mediocre in-game coach. He, was, he wasn't great, you know, in, in general, even with this, this team. Um, but he just out-talented absolutely everybody. And the more you do this type of stuff, the further behind you're going to just be, it's going to be okay. This year it was five years till you can get talent like that. And then if you do this for a whole other year, now it's an additional five years, you know, well, that's, a, I'm exaggerating there, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, don't put yourself behind the eight ball any more than you have to. So if this is it, when this is over, this is, it is over. Let's get down to business, get these boys some NIL deals. And Tennessee has some stuff in the works. I actually got some pushback from some people when I was talking about this. No, I just kind of put out on Twitter, like, Tennessee just needs to pay some kids some, some dang money. We got billionaire donors out there. Let's pay some kids. And, you know, I got some pushback of, like, there are people doing this, and they're trying to put money in. The I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Pay the kids and get them to Tennessee. I don't care what strategy is. I don't care what the behind the scenes, anything. I don't care if people are scheming up whatever might be going on. Oh, they're, they're thinking 10 steps. I don't care. Just get these kids to come to, to the University of Tennessee, whatever you do. I don't need to know what you did. Frankly, I don't really care. Just yeah, get these that, kids to come to Tennessee. I mean, I, that's a difficult thing in itself, too. Like, I feel the same way. Just pay them. Just pay them whatever you got to do, mm -hmm. other programs are. But at the same time, like the Naor deal, um, from what I understand, there was NIL deals lined up for him at Tennessee. It's not like Tennessee wasn't helping him out there. And I don't know how significant any deal at Texas was. We, we really have no idea. It could have been a combination of wanting to be closer to home, a lot of those things. But at what point, like, I don't view Nayor as a make-or-break player for Tennessee in 2022. We've seen what this staff can do with wide receivers. Cedric Tillman was non-existent in the offense before this season. And the only person who's really playing behind in 2020 was Josh Palmer. I mean, otherwise he should be able to break into that rotation based on what we saw this year. I mean, he's one of the best wide receivers in the SEC should have had no problem playing. So Tennessee can, can develop wide receivers. So what do you, you know, what's, what's your line? You don't want to set a precedent and say, well, you, you overpay for Nayor, And then, then a wide receiver that you really do want hits the portal. That That's a former five-star guy, you know, down the road. It's just, it's almost like a billionaire baseball owner where there's no salary cap. If, if yeah. somebody wants to go pay, you know, Ronald Acuna $600 million contract to swipe him from the Braves, you know, there's owners out there that could afford that. But does that make sense? Is that 
fiscally responsible. So it's it's a tough balance. I think everybody's still figuring out. Like, what are we willing to do? What makes sense? And then on top of that, you got Tennessee balancing these numbers. It's just a really – I know everybody's like, just go to the portal, get all these defensive guys. It's not that easy. You're not going to take guys just for the sake of taking them. You got you got to go after the guys that that you hope to land. And if you don't land those guys, then you just got to take a loss on it and move on this off season. So it's a it's a really tough spot to be in. Yeah, there's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of lost money in in these but, nil. Yeah, because it's like dra- it's like it's like drafting. You know, in, in the NFL draft, you've got these there. There's first round bust all the time. God, I mean, look at the, Isaiah Wilson for the Titans. One of the biggest busts of all time. You have those in college football too. Imagine if I think we've referenced uh, Drew Richmond. Imagine if Drew Richmond was a player right now, a recruit right now. He would get a significant amount of money to sign. And then you get to college, you do nothing for four years. It's a total waste of money. You've got no return on your investment there as far as whether you're just a fan of the program or you really do hope to get some sort of return on your business through partnering with these players, whatever the goal is there, somebody like Drew Richmond is you've made nothing. You've wasted your money. So I kind of understand a player like Tillman or Tyler Barron or somebody that, you know, they sign, they play well for two years. I mean, that's when these guys are really going to make some money because of the transfer portal. They can threaten to leave whenever they want to. And I, I think, you know, that might be, might've been what we saw with Tyler Barron earlier this offseason where he hits the portal the next day he's out of the portal uh, we're going to see players using that to leverage their way into more money it's like if i was a college football coach right now if i was i uh, lane kiffin for example or, or matt campbell some of these other guys that have had kind of flirtations with the nfl i can understand why that's a real draw to want to get away from all this right now because it's a lot mm-hmm. to manage and it is 24 7 Alabama just swiped what three of the top players in the transfer portal. I mean, all they they're just exchanging their players that don't work out for better players that yeah. I mean, they stole a player from Georgia. Ugh. A wide receiver from Georgia, one of the top rated players in the portal. They just won the championship and Alabama takes him. I mean, so how do you compete close. with that? What do you do if you're Tennessee or or any of these other SEC programs that are trying Claw your way up the SEC, and you got to compete against that. And Saban doesn't even like this whole model. He speaks against it, but he uses it to his advantage. I mean, and and that's that's why I say there there's so much nuance in all of that, and I don't know the back end. Out of necessity, I'm not behind closed doors at the facility of the University of Tennessee. I no longer am a full time media member, and I'm not going to put my weight behind diving into every single strategy that Tennessee is taking. I don't care. Other schools are doing it that are sometimes even smaller than the University of Tennessee and have less resources. So go do it. I don't know what that means in totality. I know there could be some strategies. Like I I think one, one that's interesting that's kind of floating out there and I've seen some people like, I, I don't know what the legality would be, but something essentially akin to like a 501c3 and you get people to just donate to that and that's the fund that you get that you pay these kids out of and you know it it's basically like the money you would donate to the university of tennessee and you're not giving it to the university of tennessee and you're just giving it to the kids to come to the university of tennessee some stuff like that great let's do something like that if it's if that's kosher I, I'm not that's into a, the bylaws yeah, or anything. If if you if you want that, I'm sure that podcast exists out there somewhere that gets into the weeds of all of that. I don't care. That's Get kind of a weird Tennessee. That could kind of be a weird battle because you are kind of seeing some stuff like that pop up. But then you got Danny White uh, talked to the Athletic recently in an interview that talked about re- really pretty vocal about Tennessee's athletics budget was nowhere near where it needed to be, and kind of wanted it in this two hundred million dollar range, and they're like halfway there they're trying to get that money obviously by donations and they've they've got kind of some different initiatives as far as seating and things with the Neyland renovations and 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 some 
some ways that those tickets are going to work. So you're kind of working against the university in a way where they're trying to raise money for just to operate their budget, but you're also trying to prop up NIL deals. <laughs> there's there's so not enough money I, to go around. I'll say this. As, as somebody who has... I, I essentially did during, during the butch years and everything like that, I basically froze giving any money to the University of Tennessee out of out of essentially protest. I just said, if this is the product you're going to put on the field, you're not going to dime out of me. This is ridiculous. This is, you're spitting in my face and then asking me for money. Go away. I literally, I had, I, I am, this sounds so douchey. I'm a two-time graduate of the University of Tennessee, okay? That's it. That's just the way, that's my life, okay? And so they call me and they ask me for money fairly frequently. <laughs> and I said to the poor kid who called me one time, like, I was like, no, I won't be giving you any money, but here's what I want you to do. Like, write this down. Go to the athletic department and tell them that it's not acceptable. And this is exactly why I'm not giving this university money. I was like, I don't know if you got a notes section over there. Do that. <laughs> and whatever, I, I don't, who knows what actually came with that. But I, I have to imagine, I'm not the only one that did that. Oh. And so I look at a situation like this and I go, this is amazing. Because what I could do in a situation like I, I just kind of described what we're hitting on here is like I could bypass Tennessee as much as, hey, it's they, they gave me my degree and kind of, you know, gave me some life resources that I'm very thankful for. Great. But I could bypass Tennessee, get this money straight to the kid and potentially get him to come to this university. That's something that I would very much consider giving money to. I don't know. Um, but uh there, there's a lot of interesting options there. We've already talked a decent amount about it. It's, it's essentially a money laundering scheme. At the end of the day, <laughs> you're sending money from donors to these kids through businesses. You have to do it in whatever way makes it legal. And I do not care how that gets done. All I know is that Tennessee has to stop flogging itself with punishments. We fired everybody. And now, potentially, if this report is true, again, if it's true, we're punishing ourselves. Now it is over. Let's get to the end of this and get Hypo these dudes that he needs. Because this dude is potentially coaching with his hands tied more than I even knew before this report came out. So I, it's, a, it's a nuanced situation. A lot of layers to it. But the, the thing is, is just... This is a Jimmy's and Joe's business. You can overcome a lot. Butch Jones sucked, and he had Josh Dobbs, and Josh Dobbs made him look decent. It's a Jimmy's and Joe's business, you know? And so let's get this guy some Jimmy's and, and Joe's because it seems like he's also a pretty good coach, which is good. I, I like – if you can get him the guys, I like that combo. Yeah, I mean – He's got a few, at least, that, that's come in here that just enrolled this week. Maybe the future star quarterback at Tennessee and Taven Jackson. So there's Hopefully. reason to be there's reason to be excited to see what these kids can do. It, it, it's it's new new opportunities. That uh, there's plenty of hope. But I just for for Tennessee. Look, when things go south, they go south. You. you we, we don't pile on Tennessee on purpose at that point. It's just what happens. I mean, you tell it like it is. I don't want to see that happen. And if things are a little rocky uh, compared to what the expectations were, I just really hope that fans, because there's a lot of a lot of negative fans out there on Twitter. We interact with them all the time. Ugh. I'm sure we're negative at times in the eyes of some. But not everything <laughs> is a red flag. Like I love pointing out red flags. I will compare somebody to Derek Dooley or Butch Jones or Jeremy Pruitt uh, just based on what I've seen from coaches that failed. That's all the information you have to go on. And when I see something from Hypo that resembles something that one of those have done, you know, you point it out. Luckily, I haven't seen that so far. But not every loss, the loss to Purdue wasn't a red flag. Uh, questionable play calling at the end of a half isn't a red flag. It's, a, it's something you want to see get better. And it's something that needs to get better, but it, I don't think okay, this guy's going to be a failure because of that. So you got to understand that it's 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 going to take him a little while to build this, and it's not an excuse. It's just it's just the reality of, of what Tennessee's facing. Yep, is is what it is, and 
So moving forward, get it behind you as, as quickly as possible. That's really my only, you know, antidote to the whole just thing. Give us just, some clarity so we can know. Yeah, that would help. I, I absolutely agree there. You, I, I don't, what, what do you hurt by communicating what's exactly going on and, and kind of sort of giving, I, I don't like giving coaches excuses and maybe it's hypo being like, I don't, you know, I don't want any, any sort of excuse making that this might bring about. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's legitimate though. If you, if your hands are tied with scholarship restrictions, that's absolutely a legitimate excuse. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and maybe, maybe they just view it as, Hey, the less talk about the NCAA stuff, the less it's out in the media and just even being talked about at all. I mean, and if that's their angle, I mean, I can understand that it's not yeah. the headline you want to be in very often. Um, so maybe that's it. I don't know. Colleges are secretive. They're so secretive about everything. It's I've Twitter has blown up this week. I mean, I, I have tweet alerts on for like Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport just for news. And it's like 10 times a day. There's a tweet that they're retweeting from a professional organization, the Vikings or the bears or whoever that, that we've completed our interview with this person for head coach or this person for general manager. And that, it's such a strange when you see that, and then based on college, where I was looking up tweets from a year ago, and we were tracking planes a year ago this week to Penn State. We were on flight tracker, thinking that Tennessee Clayton Holmes was flying to <laughs> to College Station to hire James Franklin, and nobody. There's no real reports out there. It's all rumors and whispers and through the grapevine type stuff. And in the NFL, it's just like, Hey, here's who we talked to. Yeah. You know, here's the information. That's so nice. And it would transparency at all of these levels would be so massive. Like people, I don't agree with this, but I know there are people out there that are like college football coaches are so overpaid. There's a real argument to be made that most top level college football coaches, given the amount of money that they drive for universities are grossly underpaid actually. But yeah, that's a different conversation, but what would happen if you created full blown transparency across the board? It's better for everybody. It's better for the university yeah. and better for the potential employee. You'd uh, stop a of, lot of these Mike Gundy raises. Exactly. It's, you could cut out the games and the BS like that because you you would have to just tell the truth and be like, well, today. We are interviewing Gary Patterson or, you know, whoever, whoever it would be for whatever job. I I mean, I, I am obviously this comes from a place for me of I'm a giant advocate of essentially just making college football NFL light. Like that's that's what, in my opinion, what needs to happen. It's going to come, come down to some sort of collective bargaining agreement in college sports. It's the only way to rein this in. I mean, it's Seems the only possible way. Yeah. I, if that's a big, big conversation there yeah, obviously. about unions <laughs> and things like that, but it just, it seems nearly unavoidable because it is just out. It's all out of control, man. I th and I think it, at a starting point without getting into unions and any of that, a starting point would be transparency in, in the job market with coaches, but even more importantly, right now in this NIL market, we got to start setting market prices basically. Not not to be too crude about that kind of, you got to start setting market prices or else you just, it, it's, you know, what was it for Texas A&M? 30 million they paid for the number one class. It was, and Insane. shockingly, they lost one of their top recruits today. I don't know if you oh, saw wow. it or not. Harold Someone. Perkins, the top linebacker in the country, decommits today. Um, He's, I think he's visiting LSU this week. Mm. Um. And so your first thought is, okay, did did Texas A&M already pay him? Because I think you know he's somebody that's signing in February on the traditional signing day. Um, had Texas A&M paid him to commit, check doesn't come through to you sign, which would be my guess. I'm not paying any 18-year-old to commit and then trusting that. No offense to any 18-year-olds out there. I was 18 once. and But uh, – Okay, so so that there's that part of it, and then what is LSU offering? What do they have that they're bringing to the table? You know, yeah. And what is that number? It could be anything. It, it could be who knows. It could be 
it could be five hundred thousand dollars. It could be a million. It could be like something absurd, like five million dollars for a a linebacker that you don't know. I mean, we have no clue, and and that's a that's a huge gap to not have any idea. Yeah, exactly what's going on there. It it just you gotta have something, and you know the NCAA is just spineless and useless. They don't do anything. It's you know you kind of look and you go like you know it'd be good right now some sort of regulatory board potentially you know some some organization to maybe give these kids parameters i don't know you know something like that maybe that could exist somebody unfortunately there's nobody employed by the ncaa currently that could capable of doing that (laughs) absolutely not and i don't even really want to bring them in don't it Uh, needs to be like something completely new if they would have addressed this 15 years ago, um, they they could have eased everything into play instead of being forced, fighting it so long, knowing it was inevitable. And now it's just like an avalanche of just this Pandora's box that you've opened. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen next type stuff. It's, it's, it's it, like... It's, we have no clue where it's going, and that's what's crazy about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like a... It's essentially like a bubble in a financial market, which... Oh, it's going to burst, re- yeah. Re- re- relevant to today. Uh, a lot of my stocks took a beating today. Uh, but, you know, a a bubble bursting in a market, it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And then whatever it is, it sets that thing off and it just cascades down. Of course, here it was self-imposed. The, the NCAA should have just done this a long time ago and they didn't. And it built up like crazy. They let this underworld of payments to kids live for years and years and years. And now that you give them the option to do it above board, it's a total madhouse. And congratulations, NCAA. You did. You played yourself. You played yourself, NCAA. This is all on you. So I, I don't know where it goes from here. All I care about, this is, you know, kind of final thought. All I care about is just get these get these boys in orange and white. That's that's all. I don't know what you got to do. I don't know what the strategy is. That's for somebody else to decide because I have no money. Uh, figure it out. Get these boys in orange and white. That's, you know, that, that's my my spiel there. Any any parting thoughts on that before we move into in this final part of the show? We'll talk about uh, basketball looking a little a tad better. But any parting thoughts on that stuff, Zach? No, I mean I feel the same way. Just do what you got to do to get them in, and I, you know, hopefully Tennessee does land a a couple of defensive transfer players because God, they need the help. Linebacker, defensive back, um, it's it's really thin in those areas, and if that doesn't get addressed, that's that's going to be a major disappointment. Please, please. With that said, let's talk about uh, Tennessee basketball. Let's start off. I got to mention them again. I think I mentioned them last week. Lady Vols right now are a train coming straight at you. They go to Georgia, another top 25 win on the road at Georgia. Uh, they hand it to the Bulldogs. And they are now, I believe, the, the Lady Vols number four in America uh, with Kelly Harper as their coach. I love it so much. And the things, the thing that's exciting, I, I don't know uh, how closely everybody is following that situation, but here's the situation the Lady Vols are in right now. Number four in America, only one loss on the season, I believe 18 and one. It's so cool. In three games from now, ideally, they, they don't really have like a major opponent in the next three games. Um, they'll be 21 and one. And the game in the fourth game from now, is at Connecticut playing Gino Oriema in stores. And man, that's a throwback right there. Tennessee, powerful. Connecticut, obviously, as always, powerful. I it's I, I don't want to go too much into it, but I, I grew up with season tickets to Lady Vol basketball games. My dad's a basketball junkie guy from uh, he's from central Kentucky. He just is a huge basketball guy. We grew up going to lady ball basketball games. Um, almost all of them at, as home games, um, got to watch Pat summit and the incredible product that she put out there and the great job that she did. And to have this back and to have a game against Connecticut on the horizon, I'm like, I'm getting chills. I just am ugh, gets me hyped, man. And so I'm, 
that's awesome. It's just shout out, shout out to the Lady Balls. They're doing it and they're doing it big so far. They really feel like a contender this year. And that's it's so, so exciting. I don't know if you, if you have any thoughts. I feel like it's just really nothing but good things to say. But any thoughts there, Zach? Yeah, it's, it's the one good thing Fulmer did, right? I mean, that's the one. It's true. That's true. Positive. It's like every AD has made one good thing, you know, Vitello and Curry and, and Fulmer here. And let and and I, and I will say of that hire, I I loved it because it was Kelly Harper, formerly known as Kelly Jolly, who was a great player yeah. for Path Summit. Um, I loved it on that level, but I also thought it was kind of lazy on Fulmer's part, where I kind of went like, "This is the University of Tennessee. We could have gone and probably gotten Kim Mulkey. I mean, this is arguably the greatest women's basketball program in the country, and probably will be that." in perpetuity forever i mean you had one of the greatest yeah, pioneers of sport ever head that program up yeah, and incredibly iconic i mean you think in in the 90s it was football and lady vols or into the 2000s you know that was yep. that's what tennessee was known for and that was what anybody outside of tennessee thought of as soon as you you saw that power t it wasn't just football it was lady vols as well it, it really was you know there's a very good reason the pat summit statue sits right there next to Neyland, Neyland Stadium and, and Anderson Athletic Center. Um, and I, I did at the time. I mean, I, I was just like, it feels like we're just doing this because she had she had just taken her team, kind of a no-name team, like Missouri State or something, yeah, yeah. to the NCAA tournament. I think they made the Sweet 16, but it was like her only accomplishment was that. And I was like, I mean, we probably could have gone like, I think Don Staley would have listened, you know, who's South Carolina's coach. Like, you probably could have, like, she probably would have interviewed for this job. It's the Tennessee job. And, hey, I'm I'm one of those situations where I'm extremely happy. To, I don't know that I would say I was proved wrong. I was happy about the hire. But I, I just thought, mm, I don't know if this is going to be the one. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully you don't have to fire one of the greats from, from Tennessee. And it looks like it's shaping up so that's awesome 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 super proud of them so far love it uh and we'll turn kind of the final part of the show here just to the basketball team tennessee goes two and oh on the week uh always fun to win in nashville uh poor vandy <laughs> there i'm not gonna say poor vandy vandy can screw off uh but they uh they have probably their best team in Five years? I don't know. It's been a while since Fandy's been decent. Scotty Pippen is a Scotty Pippen Jr. It's Scotty Pippen's kid. Is pretty pretty dang good. That kid is a player. And he, you know, he gives them a chance in games, I would say. But they are just it's not there. Uh they they can try, but you know, I, I don't I don't know if Stackhouse is gonna get it done there. But always fun to win in Nashville. The big win, of course, came a few days later. In Thompson Bowling Arena, Sif, thankfully, after the Titans' disaster, saved my emotions a bit <laughs> by Rick Bards of the boys getting a very nice double-digit win over the cheater, fraud, derelict loser, uh, Will Wade, who shouldn't even be coaching basketball at the moment. Um, and that, that was very, very satisfying. Will Wade had a meltdown, <laughs> and Tennessee just whipped them up and down the court. It was fun to watch. Um, and the, the real development. In all of this, and this this is sort of what I want to talk about. That's that's great, especially after the conversations we had to have in the last couple of weeks where we kind of went like, you know, if this thing doesn't turn around, we might have to have a tough conversation about Rick Barnes. Um, but the revelation of Euros Plavšić, what the heck, man? Out of nowhere, playing some man basketball, being an enforcer down low, making... He has a really nice little hook shot and makes makes some moves in the lane. He's become a really nice rebounder. Impressive. And it's changed the dynamic of the team. It's crazy. Yeah, it really has. I mean, he's kind of him and Viscovi kind of become like a like a buddy cop movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen them together. It's 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 <laughs> great. I mean, I love how Tennessee fans rally around. I mean, you, you, that's why you want to come to Tennessee, is just the way the fans rally. just play with some effort. Uh, toughness yeah. and fans will love you. Ask Jawan Jennings. It wasn't just the bad. He didn't have eye popping stats, and that's what we're seeing. You know, with Euros and and with Vescovi. Um, 
he's he's definitely been physical, but he you know he's a lot of stuff people don't see off the ball. You know, screens. He's fighting through all that stuff. I mean, he's definitely brought a different element. And I kind of thought going into this stretch of Vandy, LSU, Florida, Texas, I was like, you know, just go two and two. You know, just get through there. I felt like they might blow a game, and then that Texas game, and you know, now you know, they beat Florida. It's like you know, you're right back where you should be. Um, I wasn't shocked that they beat LSU like that because I don't really believe in LSU. They hadn't played a tough schedule at all. Uh, they've just kind of got by on, on beating lower opponents, and that I mean. Didn't really think that that win against Tennessee was really who Tennessee was down in Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, this is more who we expect Tennessee to be. So it's it's, it's changed. I'm I'm cautious. I still, Florida's won three in a row. You should beat Florida. That's a game that 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 should not. I mean, it, it's, it's, Tennessee should win. It's just that simple. But it just feels like the momentum's back on Tennessee's side. But Florida's playing well, and it, that's a game that makes me kind of nervous, especially right before mm-hmm. that big game against Texas. I mean, that's if if it was in Gainesville, I would be particularly concerned with that game. That it could kind of be one that derails you a little bit, and you follow it up by going to Texas against Chris Beard. Like that's that's daunting. Yeah, um, I would say. But you got it in Thompson Bowling Arena, game you should win, um, and. The the only thing that gives me pause is that the team really hasn't changed the way that they're playing. The offense is still yeah. kind of plotting, and it's not as smooth as it probably could be. But the the addition of Plavsic playing with confidence and Vescovi making shots, like actually making threes and contributing a nice double-digit game almost every time out now, it's become pretty reliable. It takes that sort of in in the mud kind of offense that we play and and elevates it. It made it better, and it it kind of they played their defensive game against LSU, and then offensively were able to just kind of take them behind the woodshed because LSU couldn't do squat on the offensive end, and and then you you score enough points to beat them by double digits, and so is it beautiful? With Plavsic playing better and, and Vescovi stepping up, no, it's still it's still pretty ugly, frankly. But it could win you more games. And that's the bottom line. Honestly, I don't care how it looks. Virginia, a couple of years ago, won a national championship with some of the ugliest basketball mm-hmm. I have ever witnessed. Like 43 to 41 games. I don't care. Win the basketball game. Uh, and But and what's so, bothersome about that is Virginia had to do that because that's just the had and you know Tony Bennett did a great job of coaching that style of basketball. It's what they had to do to win. Tennessee does Tennessee has the athletes to not have to play that way. Yes. And I I think at this team at its best is I don't know, I would say national championship level, but I would say certainly has the potential for a final four run. Yeah, games fall the well, right way. That. You get the right you matchups. That you beat Arizona. Yeah, you you beat Arizona. Still, their only loss is Tennessee. They have not lost. I I watched them over the weekend. The game they were playing in, they won by like fifty. Like it was just a murder. They are extremely good, and you beat them. Yeah, it was it was at home against in a in front of a super raucous crowd, but. That I don't care where that game is played. Just a few games before that, Arizona had gone to Illinois, who has turned out to be really, really good. Went to Illinois and won. And so, like, Arizona, again, the only loss that Arizona has is at Tennessee. And so, I think you're, you're hanging your hat on that, and you look at that, and you go, at its best, this team is right there. But they have to pull out the game that is at their best. And that really involves... Kennedy Chandler stepping up and he's, I mean, I've noticed kind of slipping down draft boards and really not nearly as much Mm -hmm. hype as people thought he would have, including me. Uh, I was really thinking he would have kind of a transcendent sort of like how Jabari Smith is happening right now at at Auburn. Mm -hmm. I thought it might be like that. The start Um, of the year, it seemed like it was definitely going that way. Yeah. He looked so good. 
I think to a certain extent, some of that is the way that Rick Barnes coaches sort of a separate conversation yeah. there, but um, he, you know, he doesn't really let, let it go. He, he doesn't just let unleash the beast where Bruce really does. Um, and, and neither are an infallible system because I think Bruce, you know, he lets the kids run, but if they have an off game, they can end up yeah. up a Creek without a paddle real quick. <laughs> so, um, on the whole though, getting back on track, getting these games under your belt that you really needed to win. It's awesome. And then I'm, I'm happy to see it. Definitely get this win against Florida. That is, it's so, so, so key. And, and Rick has had Mike White's number the entire time that he's been in Tennessee. So, uh, you know, win win that game, let's move on. Winning at Texas would just be, Oh yeah. Next. That, I mean, you win that, phenomenal. you win that and combine with the Arizona game and that you're, you're looking really good when seating Tom, Tom comes around. Yeah. You will get a lot of favor out of those two wins, even though Texas has kind of slipped. It looked like they might be a top 10 team at the beginning of the season. Now they're top 25, but like, I think they're ranked like 23rd right now. Something yeah. Like still that. winning that on the road. Yes. Just winning that on the road would be incredible assert your dominance as the real UT as we need to, and then go, go from there because you would, you would lock yourself into probably like a top five, a five or above seed in the tournament or thereabout. I think if, if you can get through there, because it probably means you close out the season with a few more nice wins and I, you just want to give yourself the most advantageous opportunity possible in, in the tournament. And hopefully, rounding into form at the right time. Maybe I don't know. Maybe hey, that, hey. Bing. oh, you you went out on on my end. I didn't hear. That's going to sound great on the podcast. But you went out on my end. I didn't hear exactly oh. what you said. Sorry, I said uh, round into form just like the Bengals. Oh, <laughs> that would be the great. right time. The right time. Yeah. yeah, that's that's everything in college basketball. It's everything. If you are I mean, playing right at the right time, look at some of the games that Tennessee lost in the tournament. Loyola, Chicago, playing right at the right time, and that that's all it's about. So glad to see this right now, rather than seeing it at the beginning of the season. Frankly, <laughs> don't don't want to surrender any games, but I'm I'm all for it. Let's keep going. Hopefully, Plavsic just keeps getting better because he's it's so fun. He posted uh, on social media a picture of himself after the game with an Instagram filter on where he was the Tiger King guy. Yes. Beat LSU. He posted himself as the Tiger King. I mean, that's so that's awesome. If you want to get Tennessee fans to love you, just do stuff like that. The kid gets mm-hmm. it, which is so, so great. And he, oh, man, he's a dog on the court. That's that's the funnest part of the whole thing. Is because he he basically he goaded LSU into a technical foul. I in in my am I thinking correctly in that game or he um, I, I, whatever it was they basically like fought in in the yeah. game and it was kind of instigated <laughs> by Plapsic. Dude's a dog. Dude's an absolute dog. Love Absolutely. it. Um, I'll leave it leave it there parting thoughts on any of that zach anything that we maybe didn't cover as we close another episode um the one thing if tennessee beats florida wednesday night i i need to see a danny white tweet about beating florida because last year when they beat florida i remember kind of calling him out because he 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 left he just he didn't say anything about the game and you know obviously it's Danny White's brother is the head coach at Florida. Tough situation for him, I'm sure. It's family, but hey, it, it's, it's it's Tennessee. Uh, you know, he he gets hyped up about every other sport, which is great. I love the attention he brings to the non-revenue sports that that really don't get a lot of attention. Danny White makes sure to 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 point out those accomplishments, and they've they've actually been quite successful in a lot of non-revenue sports since Danny White's arrived. Yeah, but he's he's got a Man, he's got to dunk on his brother if if Tennessee beats Florida. It could be as simple as yeah, it might be their last chance too. I mean, Dan, <laughs> that's how long true. Is Mike White last there. <laughs> yeah, he only has so much time left, I think. Um, but it could be as simple as just like 
good good game mike with like the the shaking yeah, hands yeah, emoji it's, and it's just open. add him on twitter just that's that's yeah. all it says it yeah. all right there you get him you don't have to be vindictive i mean you could be vindictive that would be funny yeah. too yeah. but uh i'm Look, all for Danny it. white might be i mean he's the, he is the guy that claimed the national championship in ucf in 2017 so who knows what that guy's capable of i would again we're talking about it with with euros that same attitude give your brother a hard time i mean it's your brother unless they ha- i don't know if they have like a strained relationship or anything who knows what the I dynamic so. is there. I, think, I think that whole family is pretty close yeah it, it seems like it from everything that i've seen about it like you can give all you're doing is just giving your brother a hard time oh you lost the game that's that comes with the, that comes with the job of being a coach and and you win a lot. There's a lot of equity to be gained. Uh, oh, yeah. If you're Danny White, by just giving your brother a hard time, like that's oh, yeah. an, all you'd have what, to do. It's just yeah. It's, talk, it's like we talked about with Euros. I mean, toughness, whether it's physical, whether it, you know, mental, whatever it is, fans will rally around that. And Danny White's got that in him. We we saw it with with how he reacted to the baseball team last year and, and some of the stuff that he put in the motion can you imagine how much fans will love danny white as their ad if the football program gets rolling yeah because it, it will be events i mean there will be it'll be different than what we've seen at tennessee before i think they gave him a hard time about the whole text the buddy thing and all that when he was hired and, and i see him tweeting him about nil stuff which that's not the guy to tweet about nil stuff yeah. by the way there's there's others that that are gonna take care of that but he's he's the type of ad you want when you're winning and uh I, i'm excited to see if this program gets moving in the right direction w- whether it's basketball if, if they make a deep run or, or the football team uh i think danny white have some fun stuff in store i hope so because he he is clearly a competent administrator. Will he make right decisions all of the time? No, nobody does. But he is clearly a competent administrator. And to have a guy like that, who's a really good marketer, good administrator, yeah. I, I'm excited to see what he could do if things really turn up with a big program like football. Want to see it. Needs to happen. And with that said, let's get some of these recruits in here. Stop imposing self-restrictions on the team. But nonetheless, I think that's it. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank you so, so much for listening or watching now. YouTube. Uh, I believe it is youtube.com slash A to Z sports. I would have to look that up. I probably, you know, should maybe know that. Yeah, I'll have to have something else to link to now. There's there's lots of links. Oh, that's true. I'm adding to your workload. Apologies. But... (laughs) um, Hopefully, my like my plan is to like cut out clips too, have that on YouTube, and kind of just we want to get the word out. We want to get as many people listen to this as possible. Our numbers have blown up over this football season, and we owe it all to everybody that listens. You guys are are incredible that you give our nonsense the time of day. I mean, that's crazy to even think about. So could not appreciate it more. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z, uh, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that we write. I think that's all of the academics I got to get out of the way. Rate, review, subscribe on A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Throw that one in there. A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Rate, review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And with all of that out of the way, we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.